Come on. Welcome to Life Blood. This is George G. And the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, strong and powerful Dr. India Tusi. Dr. India, are you ready to do this? Yes, I am. Thanks for having me. Excited to have you on. India is a JD. She is a professor of law, senior scientist, the author of Policing Bodies, Law, Sex Work, and Desire in Johannesburg, India. Excited to have you on. Tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Sure. Um, so I teach law at um, Indiana University, and I teach criminal law, criminal procedure, and regulation of ICE, as well as critical race theory. And my research really just focuses on the ways that policing and criminalization can really reproduce different social and racial hierarchies in society. And so I've been focused on the policing of sex work in particular, because it's a really interesting area to examine the ways that perceptions around sex, gender, sexuality, feminism, um, really shape how police approach the task of policing. And, you know, what I noticed was that within the policing scholarship, most policing scholars aren't focused on the unique ways that different classes of women are being policed, really focus on, you know, other sorts of issues. And so I, I wanted to kind of bring that perspective and look at you know, sex workers in particular, because all these dominant ideas about what it means to be a woman, what's appropriate forms of sexuality, influence the police as they're policing um, sex workers. And so that's what the book is focused on. It's based in Johannesburg, but I, I think it has insights that are um, relevant beyond the context of South Africa. And, and really, it, it really like reflects some of what you observe in the United States and in other countries as well. Fascinating. Are there any topics that, that you're not interested in talking about or, 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 or wary of, or you just write into all of them, India? Um, no, I mean, I, if, if it's relevant and if it's interesting for me, I, I, I go with it and I pursue it. There's nothing that um, I'm too, you know, afraid to kind of discuss. I mean, just given my research agenda, um, I think for, you know, some professors, this might be a little bit you know, kind of risky for them to want to focus in this area. But, you know, I think it's important work that needs to be done. And so, you know, there's, there, there are no topics that I'm kind of hesitant to kind of cover and go into and, and explore. I think, you know, most topics are worth at least an inquiry and, and some exploration. Yeah, I, 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 I couldn't agree more. And certainly uh, we're at a stage in here in the United States where we're talking about policing a lot and we're talking a lot about gender and 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 issues there and we've been talking about um so i, I think that there are probably a a, a a a myriad of different things that you can take from this case study in johannesburg and then apply out to greater civilization probably probably anywhere um so absolutely absolutely there, there's so many insights you know one in particular that that's really interesting Actually, I'm going to back up a moment. Before I started my research, I was actually pretty ambivalent about the appropriate approach to um, dealing with sex work and prostitution. I, I didn't necessarily think it needed to be decriminalized or criminalized. I was just really ambivalent. 
And it was really just through doing the research, interacting with both police and sex workers that I developed a perspective on the issue. And the, the research was interesting because I was able to get access to the police, which meant I went through this like year long process um, through the Central Police Department in South Africa. And I was able to get access, official approval to work with the police and look at how they were policing sex workers. And so what that meant is that I went on patrols, 12 hour patrols with officers. I would meet them at the police station. I had a regular um, police officer um, kind of partner um, that I often worked with. And you know, I had an opportunity to get to know them as people as well as form you know, pretty close relationships. And you know, after I did my work with police and, and during, you know, as I was doing this work with police, I began to develop relationships with sex workers at the same time. And you know, deepening that relationship and seeing what their perspective on things was. And so it was really interesting because it's these two groups that people often think might be at odds with each other or have this oppositional relationship. And I was kind of sitting in between both of them and developing connections with both and getting a sense of you know, what, it, what that experience actually was like, what were some of the weaknesses and what the different perspectives on you know, sex work and you know, gender and sexuality were from both, um, both of these groups. And so it, it was really kind of interesting for me at times that felt a bit you know, schizophrenic in terms of going back and forth between the two, but um, I think it enri enriched the, the research I got to do. I have to imagine it did exactly that. And it strikes me that what you did is exactly what we need to take and apply probably for, for a lot of, for lack of a better term, the problems that we're facing to be able to, to go through a process and have, the, have a police department um, give you the ability, I was going to say bless you, but it's probably the wrong term, but to, <laughs> to, to, to say, yes, we want you to come in and really get to know us and how we handle things and, and, and then write about it. And then on the same token um, to have sex workers say, yeah, okay, let's, let, let, let's, let's have a conversation. And then all three sort of all, 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 all come together. I think that that certainly speaks to a commitment on everybody's part. Absolutely. And it, 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 you know, I really appreciate everyone who participated because it, it did take a lot of and, you know, work from everyone and, you know, for us to be able to kind of do that type of work and collaborate in that way. Absolutely. And I think it is an approach that should be taken more often in terms of, you know, really ensuring that we have, um, you know, balanced perspectives and can really examine things, you know, for what they are, as opposed to, um, you know, a, a very kind of biased perspective on issues. So what do you think, what, did did your perception or your belief thoughts on the role of police going into it change now af after the book has 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 been published? It has, it has, um, <laughs> it has quite a bit. Um, you know, I think when I went into the research, you know, I just assumed that you know police were focused on. Um, reducing crime and protecting their communities and serving, you know, I think that's what we're often taught. And that was my assumption going in. And I saw a little bit of that. But what was interesting is that I started to see 
how much of policing really isn't about those things at all and is about other motivations and other um, things that are being protected, um, not necessarily the community being served. And so, you know, what I observed during the course of my research is that, you know, especially when we are dealing with, you know, a marginalized group like sex workers, that increasing police interactions or, you know, deeming something to be, you know, criminal and something that we're going to prohibit as society can actually increase the vulnerability of that group and maybe even increase incidents of police violence which was not something I was expecting before I went into my research. Um, but what I found was that, you know, during those moments when police decided that they were going to be aggressive and really target sex workers, they're in fact creating these really violent situations for sex workers in terms of their interactions between sex workers and police, as well as sex workers and their clients, because the work ended up being so underground, pushed so far underground, they weren't able to properly screen clients. They weren't able to you know, have transparency with each other, communicate, share knowledge about different situations, know who to um, avoid because they were too busy trying to run away from the police. You know, another thing that I found from my research that I found surprising was that most of the police officers didn't think they should be policing sex work either, which was not what I was expecting. Um, and so most of them actually supported decriminalization of sex work. Um, most of them thought that there were perhaps other things they could be doing and that, you know, spending all of these resources on enforcing this thing that couldn't ever really be eradicated was a bit wasteful. And so, you know, that was really interesting and it, it kind of forced me to rethink, you know, what is the role for police in society? Have we had police doing way more than they actually should be doing and you know how can we use those resources more effectively and more efficiently? And have we have we had them doing way more than they thought to be? Absolutely, absolutely. I think the amount that's you know spent you know trying to enforce prostitution laws is an excellent example. The amount that's spent on like vice squads or vice patrols, they're largely ineffective. So there are a lot of arrests, and then people go before court. And then they're released because, you know, there's no evidence or, you know, the, it's just like a very weak case. A prosecutor's not able to move forward. And then the cycle repeats itself. And so you have the cycle of arrests, no prosecutions, arrests, no prosecutions, particularly when you're dealing with um, something like prostitution. And so it just ends up being really wasteful. I know some years ago um, there was this study that did like an economic analysis of how much police departments spend on enforcing prostitution specifically. And it was millions. It was, you know, really wasteful um, in terms of, you know, what was being spent. And it was ineffective. You weren't getting any convictions as a result. And it was just this cycle of arrest. And so I think that's one area where we could just eliminate the policing of that because, you know, really, especially in situations where you're dealing with consensual sex work, um, you know, really, Really, there shouldn't really be a role for criminal law to be, you know, intruding into people's, you know, private lives. Um, I think another example could be, you know, there are instances where we rely on police to provide certain social welfare programs. So there might be instances like with mental health um, crises where, you know, in certain jurisdictions, people are only able to get mental health services if police are called first. They're not able to go to a social service provider directly. And so that can be really dangerous and that can create these situations that, you know, you create 
a situation where the police are now being brought in as a middle person in order to secure the services that you need. And so I think that's another example where we're relying on police too much to do things that really um, they shouldn't be doing. I think that that makes a lot of sense. And certainly, I mean, we only have so many hours in a day. So if a police officer right. is spending a good chunk of it doing vice work or whatever it might be, but trying to prove a case or put together a case that's never, ever going to be prosecuted. And it's just, it, it, it just does become a waste of time. So that's interesting. In, in South Africa, it's, it's unique because it's, 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 I understand a gray area. So sex work isn't necessarily illegal, but it's not necessarily um, legal or, or, or illegal. Do you see things here in the United States, any parallels like that? I mean, I think what we see in South Africa is that, you know, because there's a lot of discretion for the police in terms of how they enforce the law, that's what creates some of this um, gray space. And so officially, sex work is actually um, illegal in South Africa, but individual police departments and individual officers make determinations about whether they're going to enforce it. And so there's a period of time where some of the police departments I worked with decided that they were gonna treat it as if it were decriminalized and not enforce um, prostitution, which created some legal ambiguity. In the US, you see some of that in certain places where you know, off a police department or certain officers might have a policy of not actually effectuating arrests um, in cases that involve prostitution. Um, but you know, here, I think from what I've observed and the research I've done is that you know, there does seem to be a, just a general approach of just criminalizing and enforce the prostitution um, cases, you know, where it, it where there might be some suspicion that prostitution is occurring. And there are, you know, a few places in the U.S. So if some counties um, in Nevada where there is legalization, and that's where you have the legalized brothels. And so that's, you know, a different kind of approach where you know prostitution is occurring, but it's you know fully legalized, but the brothels just need to have certain license requirements and, you know, there are other procedures in place for that. Is, was, was your perception of sex work going into this work? Did you think that it should be legal and what is it now? I thought I didn't have a, a firm view about how it should be regulated. Um, I just wasn't sure. I, I just didn't feel informed enough. I heard, you know, different arguments for and against. And, you know, I thought maybe they put a lot of faith in the law to the extent that, you know, officers have a lot of discretion, so they'll do what they do. Maybe the law doesn't matter as much. Um, but I, I wasn't sure. I mean, now I think it should be decriminalized that we shouldn't have, you know, police focused on, you know, regulating vice in this way. So I definitely think you know, it should probably be decriminalized. What decriminalization looks like, though, in different places, it's going to differ, I'd imagine. Um, and what's appropriate in different places is going to differ. But I, I don't think we should be, you know, spending these resources trying to criminalize activity that, you know, we can't ever fully eradicate and which, you know, is kind of infringing on, on you know, some other rights that I think are at play. Uh, so, you know, now I think it should be uh, decriminalized. Although, you know, going in, I, I was just really generally... Um, ambivalent. Your your experience working and having access to the police department, um, 
did you come away? What did you come away thinking of, of the institution in general? You know, it's interesting because, you know, working closely with police, I developed some empathy for the difficulties of the work that, you know, it could be exhausting to do these long patrols. And, you know, I got to learn about individuals as, you know, people and individuals. But I I also saw, you know, some of the inherent violence in policing that, you know, really it just takes a few snap moments for, you know, things to get violent very quickly, right? An officer having a bad day. And I saw a lot of that. during, during, you know, the course of my time. So it, 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 it really showed to me that, you know, increase, increasing the amount of policing we have for different tasks. So whether it's, you know, saying that we need police for mental health services or police in order for someone to get you know, treatment for drug therapy before, you know, we'll, we'll actually see them directly. Um, it can create, um, you know, really, precarious situations where, you know, police violence ends up being a result. And, you know, you, you see that in a lot of the incidents that have been happening in the, in the U.S. where you know, police are responding maybe to a mental health crisis because, you know, the family members know that that's the only way that person can get services. And then the police end up like killing the person, right? Because they're not trained as therapists. They don't know necessarily what's going on. And so, you know, it ends up resulting in this situation with violence. So, you know, strangely enough, by working really closely with the police, I started to see the ways that we rely on the police to do way too much and that, you know, policing can be really violent really quickly and that there is this culture of violence that's tolerated. And I think it's, you know, maybe starting to, to shift a little bit now where we're having these moments of, you know, some accountability but, um, you know, it really is, you know, very much a culture of blue um, above everything else. And, you know, I think that that can be a problem. Yeah, it is uh, another one of those really, really big topics. And um, I, I, I appreciate your insight on that. So we are asking a human being to do an awful lot and to go into situations where when violence happens, um, yeah. It is, it is a lot. So <laughs> more to come on that. Yeah. What is, what is a, do you have an eye on, on, on a next book or, or a next project? Yeah, actually um, I'm, I'm starting a new project. Um, and so I have a Fulbright award, um, a global scholar award where I get to do comparative research. And so I'm going to be doing more research on sex work but changing locations. And so I'm going to be doing research in Sweden where there's uh, an approach to prostitution where it's uh, criminalized for sex work clients. And the idea was that if we just criminalize the client, we'll still protect the sex worker and that will eradicate sex work. Um, but you know, some of the initial research is showing that in fact, the sex workers have been dealing with a lot of stigmatization and, um, you know, it's just created some difficult situations for them. And so I'm going to be doing that research in Sweden. Then I'm also going to be doing research in New Zealand where sex work is fully decriminalized and, you know, be able to do um, a direct comparison between those different 
approaches, those different regimes, and you know, do some work to analyze how the legal approach um, affects um, the way that sex work occurs. Awesome. Like that'll be great. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Well, Dr. India, I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for coming on. Where can people learn more about you? How can they engage and where can they get a copy of Policing Bodies, Law, Sex Work and Desire in Johannesburg? Well, thanks for having me on. It's, it's been a great conversation. Um, people can purchase the book um, at any of their preferred booksellers. It's available um, you know, everywhere. And the book was published by Stanford University Press. So you can also um, purchase it directly from the publisher as well. And, you know, you can learn more about me. You can find me on my uh, faculty page on Indiana University Bloomington. Um, and if you just search India Tusi, T-H-U-S-I, you'll be able to find me. And you can also find me on my website, indiatusi.org. Perfect. Well, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show India your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Pick up a copy of Policing Bodies, Law, Sex, Work, and Desire in Johannesburg, wherever you buy your books or directly from Stanford University Press. Find her on her academic page, the University of Indiana Bloomington, and also go to, is it india2c.org? Yes. I-N-D-I-A-T-H-U-S-I. Org. Thanks again, India. Thank you. And until next time, keep fighting the good fights. We are all in this together. <laughs>